Hey everybody, welcome back to The Green Revolution with Micah Dewey. This is episode two, and today we are going to be talking about the upcoming U.S. election and looking at the previous two provincial elections here in Canada as far as how green candidates did, how we hope they do, and just the overall state of, I guess, North American green parties. So let's just get a quick start on the U.S. election. So the two main candidates, Donald Trump and Joe Biden, have, you know, it's going to be one of the two of them. But we do have two other major candidates as far as U.S. elections are concerned. We have the Libertarian Party with Joe Jorgensen and the Green Party with Howie Hawkins. Now, personally, I am able to vote in both countries, and I did. I voted for Howie. Now, the reasoning for that is specific to the state that I was voting in. I voted in Tennessee uh, via mail-in. It arrived, got accepted. So that's all That's all I can do, really. Um, we voted for Howie, and I think it's unfortunate that the major news networks didn't show him at all. And I understand why, based on their perspective of what happened in the last election, when, you know, Jill Stein took about five-ish percent of the vote, and Hillary lost by less than that, so, like, overall. So, even though she won the, the popular vote, it was a close call, and I think... You know, I think there's only been maybe three interviews with Howie that I've seen so far on, quote-unquote, like, major podcasts or or TV shows. He was on MSNBC last week once for about four minutes, and he's been on uh, with Chris Hedges, Jimmy Dore, and I believe... He was also on um, Redacted Tonight with uh, Lee Camp. Oh, and he I think he did show up on uh, Rising once with uh, Crystal and Sager. So, you know, he, he, had, he had a very little bit of coverage. And I am actually worried that uh, the results of this election are going to be so tight that they're still going to the establishment, the mainstream media, if Biden loses, they are still going to blame Green Party voters, uh, Bernie, you know, Bernie or bus people. They're going to they're going to be blaming. You know what? This this might actually even be the time that they blame libertarians, which would be hilarious, considering that they're probably further right than well. Actually, no, because if you look at some of the, you know, I think you could actually say that, you know, there might actually be more people that would vote libertarian than Biden because they don't want Trump rather, you know, in the, in the, in the reverse. So I actually think that, unfortunately, both of these two parties have had, have been shut out completely almost. And you still see, unfortunately, it looks like the libertarians, because they have more money, have been able to get a little bit better coverage for some of their down-ballot candidates rather than the presidential candidate, Jorgensen. Um, I watched a couple interviews with her. It was not very interesting. She's not very... uh, 
charismatic, I guess you could say. But I guess neither is Howie. Um, but at least his positions are very... They're very... Uh, on the nose. They have... Um, it's an eco-socialist platform that is basically centered around the Green New Deal. The original Green New Deal. Not the new broken down version that has been kind of pushed by you know the biden folks even though they're not calling it the green new deal it's basically that except to a much bigger scale so i think you can argue that the that how big it should be i personally am of the mindset that we should be nationalizing all of these energy industries in u.s and canada and making them government run because then you can actually hold them accountable whereas right now you know if you look at a lot of the the big argument right now is fracking in Pennsylvania with uh Joe Biden and if you just look at the if you just look at that problem the reason why people don't want don't want more fracking is because it's destroying their environments. It's it's destroying their homes, their the way of life. Vice did a piece last week about it, and it was just terrible. Like you know, the you've got oil and and other residue coming up through the ground into people's yards, uh, destroying roads because of basically earthquakes caused by the machinery and it's just you know i've got family in western pennsylvania and it is it's terrible for for the for the environment's terrible for the people that live there and i get i i I understand that like um the lieutenant governor of pennsylvania he's pretty far left but he supports fracking and it's like I understand that like you have to be able to provide your people jobs and economic opportunity in the current system. Like that's just how it works. Like you can't statewide, you can't just be like, okay, we're cutting this all off and we're giving everybody X amount of money. Because state governments don't have that kind of they don't have that kind of power. And so that's why specifically these are the kind of thing these are the kind of issues that I'm personally concerned about because I do think that as a continent, we have basically sold our, our, our futures to these energy companies. And to me, it's just, it's not okay that we keep doing this. We have, <clears throat> we have protests in Canada. We have all kinds of crazy shit that keeps on happening because Trudeau's government isn't listening to to what the people themselves want. He's just, you know, hey, we can build another pipeline. We can make more money. It makes our bottom line look good. And yes, it does make our bottom line look good. And I'm not saying that without, you know, Alberta Energy or Saskatchewan, you know, mining or these things that we would be where we are as a country today. I don't think we would. But I think we are at that point that we really need to look at transitioning away from this because we don't have much time to change to change our actions. Personally, 
I have noticed this a lot. I, my own personal opinions on these things have changed a lot over the last few years. I used to be a uh, a person who would kind of mock and make fun of, you know, recycling and these and you know like the green bags that you get at like the grocery store because plastic or whatever. And I think the thing that really changed my perspective on it was was seeing all the destruction that's going on on the West Coast. All the forest fires and, you know, these are uncontrollable wildfires. Like, I remember when I lived out there, uh, I was born in BC, but we lived in California for almost 10 years. And there were there were fires back then too, but they weren't like as insane as they are now. Like, I remember we never had to evacuate or any of that kind of stuff, but there was, you know, a couple close calls. Like, I think maybe one in the 10, 10 or so years we lived there. This would have been from like, I think it was about 96 to 2005 or 2006. Like, we lived there, I lived there when I was like four till about seventh grade. And... Oh, just after seventh grade. I finished seventh grade, then we moved to Tennessee. And there wasn't very much, uh, you know, we weren't worried about these kind of things. And seeing the disaster that had, you know, it, it the Paradise Fire last year, Killed one of my old teachers. And. It's a. It's a weird. It's a weird thing to realize that you've been. You know. Aiding and abetting. These companies. And so. I went from being a, I wouldn't say I was a climate change denier. I I definitely believed that that it was happening. I just didn't think it was a big deal. And I think that that's where a lot of people sit these days. You either think it's, you know, the worst thing in the world, which, you know, it's up in the top three of things that we really need to be worried about as a society, or you just don't care that much because there's not really much you can do individually. And I think that that's true for the most part, but there are little decisions that you can make that actually make a difference. So as an example for myself, I went to, uh, when we were looking at getting a new car, I insisted we're getting an electric car because a, I don't want to have to pay for gas because gas prices here have been going up and down and up and down all over the place. And I've been having to drive in and out of the city every day for school. So I want to save money. And I also don't want to keep on participating in this horrible death causing racket that, you know, our governments and our workforce rely upon for 
for the uh what's it called you know for like the money that they need to run because a lot of money gets you know they get a lot of tax dollars from selling gasoline right like there that's a decent number especially now when with the new carbon tax and i would say personally i'm actually against the idea of carbon taxes only because they don't actually solve the problem at least the way that we have them implemented right now because yeah people people just got upset because you know gas went up 10% or whatever it was i think it was like yeah i think it's like about 10% gas went up like 10% so what well you know there's a I don't know. It's just it's just really disappointing to see that these kind of things keep happening. Like, um, I'm actually surprised. So I was pretty invested in the Green Party leadership race. I interviewed quite a few of the candidates. I watched all of the all of the um, debates and conversations that they had, and I don't remember anybody. I think Glenn Murray was the only one that talked about the carbon tax. And this was a huge deal, like just over a year ago. Like, I understand that COVID and the economy and all these things are really important right now. But we're looking at it from such a, like we get so much tunnel vision, it seems, that we, that we forget about all these other issues that are continuing to happen. And so... I would like to see the gov- the the federal government either like massively increase the carbon tax. Like I would say, you know, bump it up to 40% or whatever we're at right now. I would say quadruple it because it's clearly not doing what they're wanting it to do. At least for individuals. As long as gas is like a dollar a liter, people aren't going to give a shit. Now, if they if you told them, hey, gas is $4 a liter, and we're going to be paying huge subsidies if you buy an electric vehicle directly out of that money, that's what we need to be doing. We need to be basically saying, hey, people that buy gasoline will be paying for your car. Almost to, I wouldn't say 100%, but, you know, if depending on how much money that brings in, you know what? I'm curious. I want to see how much money that actually brings in right now. How do they have? No- I'm sure they have numbers for this. How much does a carbon tax bring in? <clears throat> so in the tw- okay, let's see here. In the 2019 report. Uh, the uh, Parliamentary Budget Office said that estimated that the federal government will generate $2.63 billion in carbon pricing revenues in 2019-2020. Uh, this report said that the vast majority of revenues, $2.43 billion, will be generated through the fuel charge. Uh, the balance of approximately $197 million will be generated by output-based pricing. Um, there will be an estimated increase in carbon pricing revenues of 6.2 billion by 2324 and 
0.77 from the fuel charge. So we're looking at an average. Okay, so what is the actual number here? Um, so the Greenhouse Gas Pollution Pricing Act, uh, Bill C-74, required to place a minimal price of $20, $20 per ton. Uh, it, it'll rise to $50 per ton by 2022. Oh, okay, it increases by $10 per year. So, the way that they're looking at this just doesn't seem right. Like, if we're looking at this at $20 a ton, like, I really think that that number should be four times that. Because if you can generate four times the revenue, because they're saying $2.43 uh, $2 billion are going to be generated through the fuel charge this year. If you, if you quadruple, that, quadruple that number, that puts us at like almost $10 billion. That would be, eh, yeah, just about $10 billion. That's a lot of freaking money, dude. We could do so many things with that. And, you know, I, I think that the fact that we just don't have that goal right now is kind of ridiculous, right? Um, I don't know, like, the, the actual pricing really needs to be higher. Because we can bring in so much money with this and we could then pay for different things. If we want to say, hey, you know, let's let's just double it right now. Let's just move it from 20 bucks to 40 bucks, right? That brings us in another $2 billion. What can we do with $2 billion? Well, you could, you could fully fund a, a, a national UBI, right? You could fully fund um, like extensive... rebates on electric vehicles on infrastructure for communities like i would say you know we the, the carbon tax should be double well okay so why well because you can pay for different things with that okay well who's going to benefit from that not the oil and gas companies oh okay well then we're not going to do it right so like that's that's the that's the thought process that feels like that's going through the liberals in, in government's mind right now. And yes, I know that there have been constitutional arguments against this, but it's... It just seems silly. Like, you know, let's see here. Um, ba -ba -ba -ba. I'm just pulling up two of the cases here. So Ontario filed an appeal of their case to take it to the Supreme Court of Canada. This was before the COVID pandemic, though. Um, the Ontario Court of Appeals ruled that the ruled in a four to one margin that the Greenhouse Gas Pollution Pricing Act was con constitutional. Uh, in the majority, Chief Justice 
George Strathy ruled that the law was within federal jurisdiction to legislate in relation to matters of national concern under the Peace, Order, and Good Government Act. Clause of S-91 of the Constitution Act of 1867. Yeah, like it, I don't see how you could make the argument that it's that it's not a matter of national concern. It's a matter of global concern, and yet we're still pity-patting around on this stupid fucking issue that shouldn't be an issue, right? And I understand what's actually surprising here is that the two provinces that have filed officially challenges, Saskatchewan and Ontario, they're both run by conservatives, obviously. You got Scott Moe in Saskatchewan, at least at the time. This is what this this was on uh, 31 May 2019. And the Ford government in Ontario. So, you know, I think that... I guess the an- the answer to this whole thing is just we need to elect less conservatives and hopefully we can force the liberal party to move left with powers of the NDP and the green party. Like right now is maybe the best time to ever get something like this done because we are in a situation of a minority government. We do have, there is some leverage there and maybe there's an argument to be made that, Hey, you know, we should just, bump this up a bit because we need to increase our revenues. And, you know, something like this is an easy way to generate revenue. People are going to be paying money for gas probably at least for the next 10 or 12 years, if not longer. And so increasing the increasing this cost, allowing people to, you know, increase our own local economies by spending money at dealerships or or different organizations that you know generate momentum for local economies i know that the i know that the dealerships in the city right now aren't doing that great because people don't have money to spend well one way to give money to money to people to spend is to offer massive rebates, massive uh, subsidies on electric vehicles. That's that's how you do that. I don't I don't know why this is so hard for people to understand. Like this is just basic economics, as far as the government is concerned. You could even make this argument as a conservative. You could even say, "Hey, we are we are worried about about." you know, greenhouse gas emissions. And so we are going to uh, include this tax because, you know, we don't like taxes generally. But what we're going to do with that money is we're going to give it back to you in a way that you can, you know, that you can, uh, that you can use it. I I, I think that that's, I think that that would be insane for them not to do. Like, I don't know. I don't know why that's so hard for people to wrap their minds around that the, that, our carbon tax is basically useless because it's not high enough. And we're not using that money in very efficient ways. So if we're going to be raising $10 billion from this carbon tax over the next three years, because that's basically what the numbers look like, why is that money not being immediately reinvested into creating green jobs, creating green infrastructure? I know BC has been doing a pretty good job at expanding their charging platforms, expanding 
other things. But then they go ahead and do their whole thing with uh, Site 2. So it's, or was it Site 2? The, the, the thing, the, the big issue that they had up at the dam. I'm sorry, I'm completely blanking on this, what the, what, the, what the title of that area was called. But that's not really the point. The whole point of this is just that, you know, even governments that are doing it right, at least in some, some areas, are still completely fucking the environment and others. So what I guess I'm trying to say is that right now, our system of government isn't really incentivized to improve the overall environmental quality for people. They're, you know, they have their their corporate donors, their corporate interests that they have to deal with. You can look at on uh, you can look at Alberta as a prime example of this with their with their healthcare decision that they're trying to make. You know, all the doc a lot of doctors and nurses from Coop have gone on strike because they're trying to eliminate the provincial healthcare system. Or provincial public healthcare system. This is just insane. Like, so these these are un, this is just another instance of capitalism destroying people's lives, right? Like, if it wasn't for this the idiocy of Jason Kenney and his government and the UCP, people wouldn't be having to worry about this. But no, because they have a majority, they can do basically whatever the hell they want. And that's that's terrifying right now. So, I don't know. I, I, I guess I should go back to the, uh, the Howie thing real quick. So, let's talk about why exactly I voted for Howie. And I kind of talked about this a little bit in the first episode, but not a whole lot. So I'm looking at his platform and the things that he's standing for. And they are significantly more in line than either Biden or Trump. And while I know that there is not a snowball hell there is not a snowball in hell's chance that Howie Hawkins wins the presidential election i'm still going to i still voted for him why you're just wasting your vote well i don't see it that way i see voting for a a person or a party that doesn't represent me as being wasting my vote i look at if I voted for Joe Biden, will he do one or two things that I would like? Probably. But is he running on a platform that I agree with fundamentally? No, I don't. Trump is even further away from that. So I'm not going to vote for either of them. So then what are my options? Well, my options are I can either write in somebody like Andrew Yang or, or Bernie Sanders, or I can actually vote for a party who's trying to get ballot access still because of the Democratic Party not allowing them ballot access in at least three or four states because they didn't reach a certain number of, um, what's it called, um, petitions signed by the next date. And, you know... 
part of me thinks that that's just part of how American politics works. And that there's nothing that can really be done. It'll always be a two-party duopoly, and there's nothing you can really do about it. Or you can actually vote for somebody who you actually believe in. Now, if if something absolutely impossibly crazy happened where somehow he ended up winning, I don't know what the situation that would be that you would get to that point, but let's just say it happened for, 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 you know, let's just say that he was able to mobilize 80 million people to vote green in this election and they hadn't been polled. Let's let's just say that that happened. Well, yes, I would want him to be president over the other two. So I'm going to vote for him on the 0.0000000001% chance that that happens. And it might it, it it might be completely naive and I and I accept that. I accept that. I I I voted NDP in a in a in a riding that went 83% for the conservatives. So, you know, it, it, the other three parties took a total of, I think, 17% or 12% because the PPC got like five. So yeah, you know, if, if, if you, if you're in one of those situations and let's be clear, Tennessee is going Trump. It's not going to, it's not going to flip to Biden. So there's, there's no reason for me to waste. Again, you can say the whole waste your vote thing. I'm not going to waste my vote on Biden. Who's not going to win Tennessee. So I would much rather have you know, I'd much rather put that effort towards the Green Party because I want them to be on the ele- I want them to be on the ballot full time every year. And so far, they haven't been. You know, if they can get somehow, if they can somehow get to five percent in Tennessee, they get on the ballot. And the next time they get a ballot line that says Green Party, I mean, I think they get. I think they have a ballot line this year, anyways, because they they reached five percent last time. But getting that ballot line again is important. It makes you seem like a legitimate candidate rather than just independent. So, I don't know, guys. I think that, I think, I would not be surprised if Trump wins this election. It's uh, currently about three days away. I would not be surprised if Trump wins this election, despite what all the polls say. And I think people just are not aware of, like, are not prepared for that. I am quite worried about what's going to be happening down there. And I am so thankful and grateful that despite all of the problems that we have here in Canada, I am thankful that we do not have anywhere near the democratic issues, the democracy issues that they have down in the States. And while it's not perfect, while I still definitely think that we need, you know, elect- electoral reform, we need to have, we need to get rid of the first-past-the-post system, whether that's through STV or MMR, some sort of, you know, ranked-choice voting, that's great. But the fact is the fact that we can actually be fighting for this already up here is 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 just a is just a it's a 
it's a weird system that we're in because we don't have to worry about not being able to vote when we want to go vote. Where, you know, there are many states right now that have been purging voter rolls, not allowing specifically black people to be voting in some of these southern states. I believe Georgia had 40,000 people just cut off the rolls like two days ago. I think this was on Thursday before the election. So how's that? Like, what are you going to do about that? They have, there's all kinds of issues with your name doesn't match exactly right. And so now you don't get, now your vote doesn't count. Well, you know, these, these kind of things happen all the time. And luckily we have elections Canada. Like if we did not have elections Canada, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what would be happening right now. Or I don't know what would happen in our elections. I think it would be terrible. And we're getting close to the time that I want to end this, but I just am grateful every day that, you know, our system of electoral politics is so much more open and free compared to the United States, which which is something I never would have imagined before I moved here and started voting. Never. I would have just imagined, I, I, would, I would have just thought that, well, it's America. America has the best system in the world, blah, 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 using all that time I had in school there, kind of being, you know, desensitized to the things that are not normal. It is not normal that you have to register to vote every year. That's not normal. Right? Like, it's not normal that if you don't go and do it, you don't get to vote. Like... <laughs> I guess I'm going to end with this. With just three days away from the U.S. federal election for president, where the Democrats could take the presidency, the White House, the White House, the Senate, and the House. They already hold the House, but in that scenario... What do you think they're really going to do if you if you decided to vote Biden because a, either you lived in a swing state where it, it is going to be genuinely close and you do worry about Trump because I do too. I I do worry about him. But I was voting in a state where my vote regardless if if I don't vote Trump it's not going to matter. So, and I'm never going to vote Trump. So, you know, it it's one of those situations where it's like What's what's going to happen? I am I'm not too sure. I know that things are going to be violent at least short term. The only the only hope I have really that everything goes peacefully, smoothly is that Joe Biden wins by like 15 points in in Florida and and wins in Pennsylvania by like 10. Those are the that's the only way I see this going completely smoothly and calmly. If he just destroys like you know there there is a chance I guess if you look at if you look at it that you know he that the Democrats win a state that we're completely unaware of. You know they you know they could win like a like they, they could win like a North Dakota or a, or, a, or uh, they're not going to win Kentucky but you know uh, 
Mississippi, maybe. You know, there, there, there's a, there's a few there's a few states that are like not close generally, but could in like in theory flip. And so I'm just I'm hopeful that that people stay safe throughout this time. I sold off all of my all all my all my stocks that I'm holding right now, which was it's not that much in preparation for the drop that's coming here in a few days. Because if Trump wins this election, which I think 538 had it at like 20 something percent, which is not zero in case anybody is forgotten. That means that one out of every five times he'll win. I believe he has better odds this time than he had last time, even though the polls say that it's closer, that Biden has a further national vote lead. Biden could win the national vote by 10 million votes and still lose. So, I don't know. Again, I'm just going off the top of my head right here. So, my recommendation to you is obviously vote. Vote vote with your heart. If you if you truly believe that Biden is your best option, vote for Biden. I would argue that if you are not in a swing state though and you share any of these any of these thoughts, any of these ideas, these policy positions that I have that many greens have, you should be voting for Howie. If you are you know, maybe slightly, if you're maybe more right, you don't really like the socialism kind of thing, vote vote for Joe Jorgensen. Because, you know, I think that seeing the party established, the party duopoly will have to see 15 or 20% of people vote third party before they change anything. Because they're not going to change. This is why I also have hope for the People's Party. In, in, in the U.S., not in Canada. People's Party in Canada is just a Nazi organization. Don't don't worry about them. But in the U.S., the, the movement for a People's Party in the next, not this election, but maybe in the 2022 uh, midterms, they might be running candidates. And I think that an organization like that will be impressive if they're able to get... E- if they're able to get off the ground. I'm also considering, I'm also wondering, depending on how this election goes, if we see more progressive members of Congress, AOC, Talib, Ilan Omar, and the new ones that could very well get in, uh, the guy from New York, um, Corey Bush, I believe there's one other like really progressive progressive that, um, is basically in barring the election because they live in a very blue area. I'm wondering if any of these people are going to change party affiliation to uh, the like to the People's Party if they start running if if they seriously start running candidates in in 2022 if they're looking to do that. I feel like that's more likely to happen if Biden wins than if Trump wins, though. I think if Trump wins they're going to have a really hard time creating a second party. Now, if Biden wins, especially if it's a landslide, if it's like 65%, 
like some people are, are, are estimating. Like some people are estimating that he might win 450 electoral college. Like it might be like 453. I think the number, the highest likely number was like 453 to 87. I think, think that works. think that math works. Yeah, I think that math works. So, you know, there is a, uh, no, no, that math doesn't work. 85, I think, for Trump. 453 to 85, I think, was the number. So, you know, there is is a chance here that something crazy happens. And I think the more, (laughs) this, it really is kind of, antithetical to how I voted, but I think that there is a, a better chance if if Biden wins that there's a split of the Democratic Party than if Trump wins. Because I think if Trump wins, people are going to be uh, wanting to consolidate and make sure that whoever they, whoever they run in 2024 wins. And I think fighting against a Biden is way easier than fighting against a Trump. Because if you're fighting against Biden from the left, that's a whole lot easier than fighting against Trump from the left. Because I think if you're, I think if you're having to split your, your resources, most of the time you're going to lose. And I think that's, again, that's another problem with the first past the post system. I'm interested to see what happens in Maine because they do have ranked choice voting. I'm very interested to seeing what the results are in Maine because you know, I want to see who gets the, like, how many first first choice, first picks were there that were not Biden or Trump. That's what I want to see. I want to see what that number is. Because if that number is anything reasonable, like, I don't know, 15 to 20 percent, that's, that's, that, that would be impressive. All right. Um, I guess that's, that's it for today. I don't know. I didn't really have a, I didn't write anything down. I just wanted to go through this and, um, yeah. Thank you for watching. Sorry. Thank you for listening to this. And, uh, if you liked it, please leave us a positive review on iTunes or Spotify. Uh, make sure to follow it. And, uh, you can check me out on YouTube at Micah Dewey. Um, and yeah, I hope you had a good time. Um, you can follow me on Twitter as well. X five of spades with a Z or a Z at the end, as y'all like to say. So that's X, the number five O F S P A D E Z. And you can also check out my Patreon. All that stuff though is listed on my, on my Twitter account. So if you want to jump on there and check it out, you can. And until next time, guys, have a great day, stay safe and solidarity to all y'all. Bye.